Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, wait, how does it? I always forget. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got it. <clears throat> hey, hey. <laughs> Hey, 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 we're back, we're black, we're extra black today, we're brown, ambition, 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 I'm so excited today because we got some extra blackness in the stew, you know I like to say the stew because it makes me feel young, <laughs> and so I, we cannot wait to introduce you to our guest today, but I'm going to let Mandra take over, first of all Mandy, how are you girl, because your curls are popping, are they, oh thank you, you know I had to get mm-hmm. it together. I just woke up from a nap 20 minutes ago. I'm not even going to try to front. (laughs) Mr. Cherry, I am very pregnant and I take a lot of naps now, but (laughs) I'm so, so excited to have you with us today. BA fam, um, this is an opportunity that we have been waiting for for a while. Not going to lie. As soon as we started partnering with Dove back in February and I saw that this gentleman was a part of the Dove um, hair care influencer, hair care partnership group, I was like, can we get Matthew Cherry on the podcast i mean like what's he up to what's his contract say does he need to do like some podcast episodes um i am so excited to have matthew here so if y'all are not familiar with matthew cherry let me remind y'all this man used to be an nfl player don't ask me what position i'm sure it was very impressive but for several years you were in the nfl and then pivoted into hollywood right so a little like kobe bryant flavor here pivoted into hollywood worked as a production assistant so brought him all the way back that's basically like being an intern right I mean you really like paid your dues in the early days right and then less than a decade later was on stage at the Oscars accepting an award for his beautiful beautiful film called Hair Love which if you haven't seen it haven't got the book don't follow him on Insta been living under a hole you have to have to check it out it is so sweet um, it really mm-hmm. pictures a father and his daughter um, you know experiencing what it's like like to to embrace her hair texture and to make her mm-hmm. feel beautiful and it was just lovely but since then Matthew has been on a tear I mean you've directed so many episodes of my favorite shows on TV I'm playing it cool Abbott Elementary Blackish <laughs> The Wonder Years plus the reboot of Bel Air Saved by the Bell and more you have been an Academy of, oh, sorry you've been a, an executive producer for the film Black Klansman with Spike Lee um, and you've also worked as an executive at George and Peel's production company, Monkey Paw Productions. So we are so, so excited to have you at the on the show, Matthew Cherry. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to talk to you. I just wanted to say, like, everything he's done has been super black, which I love. I'm like, damn, we thought we were black over here. Everything is black, then black, then black, 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 black. So go <laughs> no, ahead. I skipped the part where he directed Michelle Williams, one of her first music videos, right? Girl. When she went solo. <laughs> 
It was when it, it was a little later on, but yeah, uh, I did uh, say yes for her uh, being Kelly. Yes, and you've worked with Jasmine Sullivan, Chloe yeah. Halley, Layla Hathaway. Yeah, yeah, a little so, bit of everything. Not bad, but the career pivot from the NFL into entertainment was that planned? Did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker? Yeah, you know, I um, it's interesting. Like growing up. having the dream of trying to play professional sports like a lot of times you'll meet a lot of guys who that's all they have when you ask them what they want to do i only have a plan a uh, you know i want to make it to the league and for me um i don't know i always had other interests you know i was always into entertainment um i'm from chicago so you know the midwest at least back in the day didn't have like this thriving film uh industry that it kind of has now like a lot of cities now have it like atlanta and north carolina etc and um, I don't know. I just didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I knew I had interest in it. You know, I was a part of like the radio club in, in high school. I majored in radio, TV broadcasts and uh, media production. I interned at a lot of radio stations when I was in college. So ENZ, ZAK in Cleveland. And so I don't know. I thought it was going to be a lo- little bit more on the music side or the um, radio side. But then, um, you know, was lucky enough to make it to the league as an undrafted free agent and just kind of bounced around a lot. And I knew really early on in my rookie year, like, all right, you know, I, I may, this may not work out for me in the same way that it works out for a lot of people because, uh, you know, it's less about ability. A lot of it is just like kind of right place, right time. Some of it is politics. And, you know, a lot of guys have incredible ability, but for whatever reason, they end up on the wrong team and don't have like the ball rolling their court or whatever. So, you know, I didn't want to be one of those guys that was like 10 years and I'm like playing and, you know, some overseas league and you know just making like minimum wage basically still get knocked upside the head and um i gave myself like a three-year plan i was like if i can't like officially make it in within this three years i'm going to just retire early and i'm going to go to either la or new york and try to figure out this entertainment thing and i was lucky to meet this woman who was a part of this nonprofit organization called streetlights and so streetlights their website is streetlights.org and they're a nonprofit that help men and women of color get jobs as production assistants um mostly in commercials and music videos now it's kind of expanded to a lot of other things and that was just like my ticket. I knew I'd never been in LA before. I didn't know anybody there. So I applied and, you know, thankfully got in and, you know, like anything in in this business, like, you know, you do a good job on one job and then, you know, they'll go off to do other things and sometimes they'll bring you along. Sometimes they won't, but you know, one became two and I was lucky enough. My first show I PA'd on was girlfriends with uh, Mara Brock-Akeel on their eighth season. And, you know, just seeing like Debbie Allen, seeing Mara Brock-Akeel, you know, um, I was uh, Prentice Penny, who, you know, was the showrunner for Insecure, was there. Kenya Barris, you know, was there as as the junior level writer. Uh, Lena Waithe, me and Lena Waithe were like, she was a writer's assistant, I was a PA. So it was just like one of those crazy things where um, just a lot of people kind of were in the same place at the same time because there were so few black shows at the time. And, you know, went from there and was able to like really see who is doing what and what jobs seemed like they were appealing. And, um, you know, I saw, you know, Debbie Allen sitting in the director's chair and I was like, man, you know, want to learn more about that and just kind of took a little bit more of an interest in it and, you know, was able to kind of pivot and do some music videos and some short films. And, you know, here I am today. Wow. I feel like there needs to be a documentary on that final season of Girlfriends and everyone behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it feels like it's pretty crazy. Karen Gist, who uh, 
was a showrunner a star. I mean, it's like literally like half the industry came off of girlfriends, like for real. Wow. That's incredible. Like financially, how were you doing at that time? Because you're PA, <laughs> you come from the NFL, you're in LA, like you're around all these successful people. Was it hard? Were you feeling like, damn, I'm kind of struggling, but I got to look like I'm making it. That, that was like low key, the story of my life, like being in these jobs where like everybody else was making crazy money and I wasn't. <laughs> so it's like being um, adjacent to, to the flyness, but not really being able to get it for myself. So like my rookie year in the league, I was on the practice squad and after taxes, it was like $35,000. It was like 80,000 base salary, but they taxed you at the highest rate and you got agent fees, et cetera. And, um, you know, it was kind of similar money being a PA, but you know, it's like back then it's like, you know, you're just trying to make it. So, you know, you, you maybe you have a roommate, um, you know, you, your car is, you know, kind of janky. So, you know, you, you just kind of doing what you need to do to survive. But yeah, PAs really didn't make a lot of money. I think today they still kind of don't like, I know if you do a commercial back then, at least, you know, it was like $200 a day. Um, but you know, there are ways that you could kind of stretch it out. Like if you drove the production truck and you were able to like pick up the equipment that gives you an extra day and then you have to return it. So, you know, there are like low creative ways you can kind of hustle around it. But TV was always kind of the most consistent just because like the commercial world, you had to like it was just a consistent hustle. Some months you may work 15 days, another month you may only work three. So it was like very hustle driven and I didn't really like that side of things. So I tried to get on the TV side and it was great. You know, like girlfriends, you may get on in like August and the show will go to like March or April. And, you know, so it's like a pretty consistent gig. We need to share that link with anyone who's interested. Streetlight, you said streetlights. Yeah, streetlights.org. Uh, yep. I love that you went through a nonprofit and it wasn't like, yeah, I just met someone on the bench and, you know, he was a Hollywood producer. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Some people have that story. Uh, I, I've always like taken the back door in a lot of ways. I feel like. So, you know, the, the question Mandy asked about how it was financially then is, is, is really poignant for me because I remember being broke and then not being broke, but having a hard time reconciling that I wasn't broke anymore. Yeah. Like, did you have that, like that transition? How did that feel when you actually started to, to make money? Do you feel like financially Ooh, secure yeah, now? Or question. are you still kind of like, like, cause I'm still suffering from what I call post-traumatic growth. <laughs> you know, like at any day, the people gonna come and get my things, you know, like have, have you suffered from that? And, and if so, how did you move past it? Or, you know, how are you managing that now? You know, you know, for me, um, really directing television has been like the, the biggest blessing. And it's just ironic because I started as a PA, you know, watching directors kind of do it and um that has really been i think the main thing for me that has kind of allowed me to feel financially secure um you know i think for me being around it so much you know be that being a pa and you know bringing tracy ellis ross from her trailer you know to the set or you know like having to park their car or things like that you know i've always been around it you know even in the league like man, you know, you pull in that parking lot is pretty crazy. So <laughs> and I got like the worst car there. So, you know, I've always been around it. And so uh, I've always like felt like, okay, if, if, when this happens, I think I know how I'm going to move. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't necessarily think I had that same um, syndrome that you spoke of. But, you know, it is a transition. It's just like, you know, taxes is the biggest thing, you know, like, 
you know, in, in what I do, you know, a lot of times you just get paid whatever the rate is. You just get paid that straight up and they don't take taxes out. So, you know, you work X amount of jobs at the end of the year, you may end up with like this huge tax bill. So you have to be like very smart and strategic about like, all right, I'm going to pay my stuff every quarterly just so that, you know, at the end of the year, not, you're not hit with like this six figure kind of tax thing or whatever. Um, so it's like been things like that, that you have to kind of be mindful of, you know, getting your LLC set up and, you know, making sure you have like the right write-offs. Yeah, just, just things like that has been kind of new <laughs> in that way. And, you know, you have to, you go through your growing pains with it and kind of figure out what works best for you. But um, yeah, it's just like, and, and the cool thing, like with both the league and with film is like, you have the, all these creative write-offs, you know, like I know some of them kind of went away when some tax codes changed recently, but like, you know, being an NFL player, you could buy a TV and buy a, a, a big entertainment system and be like, look, I need this to watch film. And that could be a big write-off, you know, with film, you go to the movies, that's a write-off. So it's, you, you can get creative with it, but you also have to be really smart because like anything, they're like high periods and they're low periods. Like right now they're talking about, there's going to probably be another strike, you know, which is crazy. Cause when I first moved to LA, writer strike, right? yeah, when I first moved to LA, girlfriends went down because of the first writer strike that, that that was a part of. So you know, you got to be just really lean and creative with it to try to get through these rough months. Cause I do think it's probably going to be down for at least three or four months. And you know, not a lot of people are going to be working. So you went from, uh, yes, Miss Ellis Ross, can uh -huh. I get you some coffee to then Miss Ellis Ross, can you do another take for me? Because you then directed her <laughs> yeah. in blackish. Yep. What was that like? Man, it was, it was really cool. Like, I, um, yeah, you know, I've been a big fan of Tracy. Like, I remember her being on the Lyricist Lounge show back in the day. And, you know, Not yeah, come on, yeah, you remember? <laughs> you know, just, just, she's just it's been talented all her life. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really surreal moment for real. Like, you know, and there are a few people like Kenya, literally, like I mentioned, he was a writer on Girlfriends, you know, back in the day, too. So to kind of like a creator, have yeah. the paths cross kind of in that way was uh, really awesome. And, you know, she, she's really gracious and always has been and just a really great person. So, yeah, it was smooth. And did that come from the once you and first of all, like hair love, I want to talk about that because mm -hmm. such a beautiful, such a beautiful short. But you had to you, you raise money for that. Mm -hmm. Like you had to raise what, three hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. So to get that made. Yeah. So that wasn't necessarily our like initial goal. So I, I, I'll share my philosophy with Kickstarter. So with, with, with raising money online, like, you know, I think one, the first thing is like, you have to have a decent social media following if you're trying to raise like a significant amount of money. Right. Like that was my third Kickstarter. So I'd done like a Kickstarter for my first movie, the last fall. I did another one for my second movie, nine rides. And they both were like a bit of a struggle to raise $15,000. Like it was literally reaching out to people from Facebook that I maybe talked to in like 20 years from high school and things. Hey, check out this link. You know, I'm a filmmaker now you know see if you can throw 20 on it and um it was just like literally every person that donated to those first two i feel like i knew them directly and it was because i you know personally reached out to them was the reason why we hit barely hit that goal but for this one it was you know i know it was going to be animated you know i knew we we're going to need a lot a bigger budget just because i didn't really know how things were going to play out and um so i think we set the budget at like seventy-five thousand initially with the hope though that we would raise more just because with kickstarter if you don't hit your number then you don't get anything but you can raise more than your initial goal so Wait, huh 
I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some yeah, like take it back. Yeah, there's some like Indiegogo and um, you know, Seed and Spark yeah. where you know you kind of get what you raise, but you know, it, it kind of incentivizes you. Honestly, I actually prefer it that way because you know you can't really slack with it. You know, if you know that you're just going to raise what you get, you be you may not post about it as urgently as you may. You know, knowing that all right, it's now or nothing. You know, and so um, yeah, it was just like this this big hustle, and a lot of it was just kind of like growing the brand on social media, even like before the Kickstarter went, you know, just being more than just hopping on when you have a project to promote, you know, sharing your day, sharing advice, you know, just kind of being yourself and obviously not social media isn't for everybody. And I think Twitter is taking a bit of a darker turn kind of in recent years, but you know, back in the day it was, it was fun and you could be yourself and it wouldn't be a lot of drama or a lot of smoke and you could just do it. And, um, you know, I was able to raise my following up to a, d- a way bigger than I had in the first couple, um, Kickstarter campaigns. So I had a bigger support level. Um, I think with the project, there were a couple of things that just were like, Sometimes you can't even predict what's going to happen. So Vashti Harrison, she did the artwork for us. And um, I caught her maybe six months before her first book came out, Little Leaders. Uh, Yeah, she blew up. She blew up. Like you can't even like get on her schedule now because she's like so crazy. But we literally I literally caught her before she came out. And apparently our book publisher was a big fan of her. I didn't even know this back in the day. So when we ended up doing the artwork and things, that's how. that's how Penguin Random House reached out because they're like, oh, you guys do want a picture book for this? Like we would let it collab. So that was one thing. Uh, another couple of things that happened is just that, you know, Dove reached out and that was really cool just because, um, you know, I think for us, it was a matter of like, you share the story, what you want to do, you kind of do a personal video. And I think the artwork, I think the storyline about us wanting to do the story about a black father trying to do their daughter's hair for the first time, it just really resonated. And so yeah. really beyond any of the first two Kickstarter campaigns, majority of the people that donated to this, I didn't even know personally, like I didn't even slide a link to them directly. It just kind of went a viral on its own. And I think, um, you know, you just can't predict those things, you know, like sometimes you're just in the right place, right time. And I think that was one of them. And I think also the state of animation at that time was really important for the success of this, too, because back then there was no Spider-Verse. There was no, you know, Moana. There was no, um, you know, uh, Encanto, like like brown, black and brown characters were damn near non-existent in animated movies. It was, yes. you know, Princess and the Frog. It was Rihanna, Rihanna's movie Home. It was Bebe's Kids. And then I think Prince Bebe's of Egypt. Kids. Yeah, it was like Prince of Egypt. It was literally like, like... First of all, Bebe's Kids is like 25 right, years right, right, before right. anything. <laughs> you got to dig all But iconic. Yeah. yeah. Iconic. <laughs> no, for sure. So there was just like a bit of a starving... Um, I think for our community to kind of see themselves in, in, in this animated form. And I think for us, also to, it's 2020. Yeah, it, it, I know it's going to come out in 2020. So the Kickstarter is was 2017. Come, yeah. This is like a four or five year journey for you yeah. guys. No, three. I'm bad at math. <laughs> That's bad. Well, and then to, the Oscars happened in 2020, right? Yep. Yeah. Until now. Um, I, that really resonates with me because I feel like the beauty of your story is just like, you know, you do the work, you don't wait for the people with opportunity, mm-hmm. with, you know, like people with power to tap you on the shoulder, like, oh, Matthew, we heard about you. Like, yeah. you know, this is incredible. You do the work, you put it out there. Yeah. And you don't wait. I mean, I think that's just, yeah, I think that's how you got to be in this game. You know, like, there's so many reasons why people will tell you no. And like, 
if you can prove the idea, then it just makes it that much easier for, you know, I, I always share the story. Like, I, I don't know if it's real or not, but it's attributed to Chris Rock. And um, it's a story about, I guess, back when he was a broke comedian, you know, he would, his car would break down all the time and he'd be on the side of the road trying to like, with his thumb out, trying to get somebody to like pick him up so he can like take it to the shop or whatever. And nobody would stop when he had his thumb out. But when he would get behind his car and he'd actually like, start pushing it to try to get it to his destination, that's when people would pull over to try to help him. And I just always attribute it to like, you know, people want to help people that they see are helping themselves. And, you know, I, I think that's just how you got to, in this new day and age of streaming and a thousand reasons why somebody will tell you no, like you have to put yourself in a position to help yourself so that people can hop in and help you get it over the line. Yeah, no, and I have to say your Kickstarter really inspired me because I, I used to teach preschool for 10 years and I struggled to find books with like, and I taught in Newark, which is like, you know, blackity black, oh, yeah. black, and I struggled to find books with black babies yeah, on them. Yeah, that was another thing. And so, um, so I, 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 I teach financial education, but I wrote a book called Happy Birthday Molly Moore, and I was like, she's going to be there black. She's going to have like four C, 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 C hair, <laughs> you know? And um, I did a Kickstarter. I think I wanted to raise 35000 We raised seven. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but I just remember being so, thank you, so inspired by, because I remember going to Target and being like, there's one yeah. book, Hair Love. You know, and now when you go to Target, yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, do they make books? It's like a whole section. Literally, I'm like, do they make books? <laughs> Not even the whole, the whole of Target. Everybody is POC. Wait, we have all this juicy goodness from Matthew. We're going to pause for the cause for a quick break so we can pay these bills. We'll be right back. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. And we're back in black and back in business. Let's keep chatting. As a director, um, how do you feel black representation has been like has changed yeah. since you first came out? Yeah, I think it's like been a really 
big shift in a lot of ways, you know, um, it, you know, it is and it isn't right. It's like in front of the camera for show, like, you know, I think there's been this really big push to, um, you know, make sure, you know, I think back in the day, it was like, all right, maybe we'll get one character in there. And it's like the black friend that like, you never see their inner life and never meet the parents or any of that stuff. They just are there to service like the, the main character who was in the PLC. But now you're really seeing this push to really just have diverse casts all around, you know, like, you know, multiple black characters kind of in a, in a, in an ensemble cast, uh, you know, you know, Brown, you know, Brown representation, you know, um, Asian representation, just you're, you're seeing it really across the board. Um, but but with that said, still behind the camera, you know, people would like to think that it's really changed a lot, but it really hasn't. You know, um, there are always studies that come out and probably in TV is where it's been the biggest boom for diversity uh, just because literally thousands of TV shows. So they kind of have to, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you can't back in the day, there were like, you know, maybe a couple hundred. Now they're thousands. So you kind of have to reach the net a little wider. But, you know, in film is still very much the same as it's kind of it's always been. You know, it's really hard for, um, you know, black and brown directors to get opportunities. You know, uh, I think I saw a study uh, that UCLA did where um, they were talking about with streaming, apparently numbers have gotten more diverse because, again, thousands of opportunities, right? But when it comes to theatrical, the numbers are still very much like 77% white white men that are directing most of the t uh, movies that go to have theatrical releases. So, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. And um, that was one of the cool things about being an executive at Monkey Paw, which is Jordan Peele's company, like being able to be on the other side of things and, you know, trying to you know, beat the drum for other black creators to kind of get in there to have their opportunities. But, you know, we, we need more of us not only behind the camera, but also in the boardrooms, also at the production companies, you know, because this to get a project moved forward, it has to go through so many layers. You know, you have to get it through, you know, some low level exec and you got to take it to the higher ups and they got to take it to their board. And then, you know, so to get a project through like five different layers of trying to move it forward. And then, you know, you have the super black project and now you get to the top and it's like no black people on this approval board, you know, and that's why nine, a lot of movies have a hard time moving forward just because they can't see if they can't see themselves as the hero. They don't want to move, help move it forward. Yeah. And the crazy thing is like, we have been conditioned. We, we, we black audiences. We only, we have to see, the humanity and other characters because all our life, you know, it's like, shit, we weren't in Pretty Woman. We weren't in Princess Bride. You know what I mean? Like we have to kind of find the ways to find the empathy in characters. And I think people are feeling some kind of way because now they're having to find empathy in our characters and they're not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you think about movies like to see Ryan Coogler, for example, my husband and I just saw Creed three oh, yeah. uh, directed by Michael B. Jordan, starring Michael B. Jordan. I was like, this is with Jonathan Majors. I mean, just an incredible. You know he's from Newark. I'm saying Brixton. Yeah. Okay. Which one? Michael Jordan. Yeah, he went to like St. Benedict's High School. He's like, cause I live in Newark, yeah. so and so um and so yeah, mm -hmm. he's born and raised in Newark. Mm -hmm. And you sort of and you think about Ryan Coogler getting his start, yeah, with Fruitvale, but then also Black Panther. And when yep. Black Panther came out, people were like, "Is this the moment? It is mm -hmm. this this film did phenomenally well." But then you sort of saw this tapering off. Like there wasn't yeah. this huge, you know, renaissance. And yeah. I feel like even the names you still see doing black film, like Spike Lee, has been around forever. You mm -hmm. know, um, but like, are there 
there any uh, other than yourself new exciting black filmmakers or projects that you're like oh, this is you know oh, yeah. this person probably wouldn't have made it 10 years ago but they're making it now oh yeah i mean shit i mean damn near damn near everybody you know damn near ryan included you know it's like it's just Thankfully, because people are taking more risk, especially in the independent space, you know, Ryan had to be indie, you know, he, he did his movie for less than a million dollars, you know, got it, got it into Sundance. Um, you know, A.V. Rockwell, whose movie A Thousand and One just came out uh, starring Tiana Taylor, you know, she just did the Sundance move as well. It's coming out with the, uh, it just came out a couple weeks ago through Focus Features. Um, yeah, I, I can list, a, you know, a <laughs> hundred different names of people that, you know, are deserving and thankfully have finally gotten their opportunity but there's also a lot that haven't gotten that opportunity you know um back in the day it really felt like at least in the 2010s when i was uh transitioning from being to directing it always kind of felt like there could only be one black director per year so you know and if you weren't that one that was kind of the crown was put upon your head like you know it was like back to square one you know you do a movie and all right it didn't hit so now what you know and you gotta like try to find money or think of another idea to try to get back at it again so you know i think whenever we get into a place where opportunities are just like abundant and you know we don't have these kind of dips and these highs and these lows i think that's really when we're gonna see that true parity that's gonna happen but you know i think now we're gonna see a big bubble bursting in the streaming industry just because like everybody's been this big arms race of people trying to like put money in and they're not really getting their money back so you know i think it's going to become even harder for uh black and brown creators to get their voices out there because you know the, bu the belts are about to get tighter for sure. And we're probably going to be the first to. Oh, for sure. Get, Always. Kicked off the schedule. Mm -hmm. The planting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Let's make a pivot. Let's talk about hair. Okay. You know, since Mandy's curls are popping are, and our locks are popping. Um, thank you, thank so, you. like, we would love to, like, like what's your. Because when I went uh, natural, oh my gosh. I remember my mother distinctly said, so my, both of my parents are Nigerian. And the first thing she said to me, I think it was my dad. He said, so you never plan on marrying. Oh, damn. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, that's because back then, like, and it's so crazy because they grew up in a time when I remember my mom had an Afro wig. Right. You know, and then it just became like, you know, natural hair was very un, un, unfashionable mm. and it was very unprofessional, you know. And so me going natural was like this political statement. It was just because for me, I didn't like the way the perm made mm -hmm. my, my scalp feel. It wasn't I wasn't trying to be political. I was just like, why can't I wear fur? Right. And so um, so I'm curious about like what has your hair journey been like like you know what was your hair like in in middle school how long have you had locks mm -hmm. like what's your journey been like yeah no you know i've always had my hair pretty low i guess like kind of growing up you know just being an athlete and honestly just being honest not really knowing a lot about the natural hair movement kind of growing up um you know my mom she used to she worked in a corporate setting she so she would always have to either straighten her hair or, you know throw a throw a more quote-unquote professional you know wig on or something and and uh, 
So, no, it's, it's, it's also a little different for guys, I feel like, you know, being an athlete, like nobody ever really came at me for like my hair or my hair texture. But, you know, my sister, you know, I always I always know that she felt like or maybe maybe she didn't even feel like it. Though, I probably got to talk to her about this back when she was younger. But, you know, she always used to have to wear her hair straightened, you know, because that was kind of mm-hmm. what was the norm, I guess, back then. And, you know, I think and that's also a bit of the reason why for me, we really wanted to do an anime animated and with a young kid as a protagonist just because I think a lot of kids natural hair journey starts not even natural hair journey but hair journeys in general start when they're children and so when you grow up and you watch these cartoons and you know you watch these images of kind of who the heroes in these stories and what are the things that I want to be you know, a lot of times that's like has a big influence. Like I'll never forget when For- Frozen came out, you know, seeing, you know, little black girls running around with the blonde straight wigs and things trying to like be these characters. And it just was like, damn, you know, like really wish there was characters that look like them that had their type of hair. So they felt like they could be the hero in their own story and not feel like they have to kind of conform to what other people were, were trying to have, say that they need to look like. And so, um, yeah, for me, like being an athlete, being an athlete, being in film, I've never been told like, can't wear your hair like that. Hair's unprofessional, you know what I mean? Like both of those industries are very embracing of like, you know, if I was in any other profession that was more quote unquote corporate, for sure, I probably would have had to have some hard conversations. And that's a big reason why too, like I'm so happy that the Crown Act has become uh, a lot more popular and it's like passing in more states. Still hasn't been passed on the federal level, but very important. And I just think, you know, at the end of the day, you got to just let people be who they want to be. Like they want to wear their hair straight. They want to wear it short. They don't want to have hair at all. Like it's all good. And there's no reason why we need to be policing how people's hair grows out of their head. It's like, it's none of your business, really. Do you ever have subscriptions that you forget about? I did. Mm-hmm. Do you have a hard time canceling those subscriptions because they seem tricky or time consuming? Raise your hand. I know it's you. Okay. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Yes. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I cancel it with a tap. I've never had to get on the phone with customer service in order to do so. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Okay. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition. That's rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition, rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, you honestly, like you've become an icon for black hair care equality, I feel like ever since doing Hair Love. Was that was that part of the intention behind the film? Were you, I know you're a dad now, right? Were you yeah. a dad at the time? Did you no, talk about your daughter? No, no, I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't, but you know, I'm really big on empathy and like, 
seeing a, a, a battle that I knew I was going to be fighting, hopefully in the future. You know what I mean? Like the idea that. I mean, there's always a story, you know, like kids being kicked out of school because their hair is a certain way or being told they can't work in a certain place because the hair looks like this. It's just it was the stupidest thing to me. I think kind of the activism part of it all definitely was like very organic, like that never was really the intention going in. I think the activism was supposed to be more so just like, look at this little girl who loves herself. She loves her hair. She has 4C hair like she is a character that hopefully little girls can see and want to be like uh but you know things kind of took off in a different way you know with this with this project so you know never has a short film had a, a book won an oscar got a tv show about to come and a hair product like it's just been pretty wild i love that i love that i was going to ask you about that so you've been a major part of dove's hair love collection inspired by your yeah. film which is awesome like and so I know that there are dads out there who are like, because how old is your... your she uh, turned six months uh, tomorrow, actually. Oh, she's a yeah. new baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you'll, you'll be there. Brand new. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe has a little boy, but... I was kind of... I ready. thought I might have heard a little something. Are you at home right now? Yeah, I'm at home. Yeah, she probably cried in the squat. background. Because <laughs> my mommy ears are just like, there you go. somebody get that baby. <laughs> oh, so like beautiful. what, knowing that what you know now about like, you know, kind of like, as you've been like steeped into like, the hair care journey and like you mm -hmm. said how different it was for your daughter for your sister like any like wh what are you anticipating do you have any advice for new dads it's like how do I start to instill Man. that your hair is beautiful you know I think the two things of advice I would say is listen you know what I mean like you know a big part of our short was this idea of like parents taking the time to not get out of their own head and actually listen to their kids and what they want so that's a big one and then also uh you know, just the, the information is out there. You know, if you want to learn how to do hair, you know, there's all kinds of vlogs on YouTube and, you know, websites and groups and all kinds of things that you can be a part of to try to figure it out. You know, I think for me doing hair is less about just the act itself. It's more about just getting that personal time, you know, with with your loved one and kind of showing them how much you care. And I think that's really also, it's also a really amazing way to bond, I think, with your kid, you know, it's just you two in a room and you're, you're you got this goal and you're trying to figure it out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it's a real awesome way to kind of show how much you love a person. And, you know, it's one of the things where you do it and, you know, other people are able to kind of see that love as they walk through that day you know with that hairstyle that you were able to put together so you know definitely you know our, our little one right now her, her she she's probably gonna be a late bloomer when it comes to you know having a you know full head of hair that's you know <laughs> right, right now it's a little low but you know i'm looking forward to you know when it uh starts to sprout like a like a weed i'm sure it's coming soon <laughs> Not sprout. <laughs> that's, that's what the dad thing to say. <laughs> sprout. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like kids today have such an incredible opportunity because with hey, with the 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 hair care line at Target yeah. and all these stores that I go to for my son, I'm like, yeah, pick a crazy. flavor, any flavor. It's so many options. Yep. I feel like in our childhood, at least for me, we talked about this before, but it was not exactly an experience where I felt my mother's love. It was right. more like, is my mom gonna put me up for a option <laughs> my mom's white like is she gonna send me back after this Jeez. because she really doesn't seem to like this <laughs> um, 
Um, but no, it's inc- it's incredible. And even just the the like your acknowledgement, like your understanding that this will be something that I'm going to, you know, intentionally think of in a positive way is already, I feel like such a great example for dads, yeah. you know, or for any, any man who's caring for a little girl, mm-hmm. you know, with natural hair. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, I, wanna, I think it's like this idea that. I think back in 2017, 2020, you know, when, when, when the project was a little newer, like, you know, the idea of a dad doing the daughter's hair was this kind of new, newer idea. And like, obviously people have done it, you know, back in the day, but, you know, trying to bring it to a bigger audience of things, you know, dads always get credit and pats on the back for doing the most basic things, you know, and I think oh my God, thanks for like, saying that. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, yes. it's like you're, it's you're, true. You're, you're a dad, be a parent, you know, and I think the normalizing of, you know, fathers doing this and it not being some anomaly that, you know, we need to make this big fuss about. It's like, all right, you know, like my wife's at work early and I'm here. So I'm going to do the hair. Like it's not a, not some big thing that needs to be this big deal or anything. So I think also just the normalizing of it was really important too. So that, you know, the pats aren't so big when it happens. <laughs> you want to go viral, Matthew? Just post a video of you brushing yeah. your daughter's little, your little fuzz. <laughs> you go viral. You will it's be. <laughs> you win awards. I love. I love. I love the dads that babysit their own children. Oh, there you I'm go. Like, oh, there you babysit. Go. You know, like oh, okay. Do you need money for that as well? Like, uh. <laughs> That's funny. How has that transition? Well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, baby. No, no. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I wanted to ask you because you are busy doing a bunch of different projects i'm sure um how has that transition been figuring out the schedule with a newborn at home oh yeah that's crazy um you know a little, uh, tired all the time tired. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know it's great though it's, it's it's just um it's something that you know has to be figured out you know we we were lucky enough to be able to get a little nanny situation so that kind of helps us because my wife has to go go into work and a lot of times i have to try to like work either from home or have to go somewhere on set somewhere to be working too so to kind of have somebody who can be holding it down and kind of like know what we want them to do has been like super super important you know have we not been in this position and living in la where we don't have family probably would live back in chicago or on the east go somewhere so we would have had family close by to be able to do a similar thing just final question for me like what is your hair care routine you have nah. rocks now yes and so like, <laughs> what do you do to maintain them keep them healthy listen I, I don't have much of a routine at all just you know I'm, I'm i'm in i'm in like filmmaker mode so you know i just wake up like you know i got my little lock sock that i put on to kind of protect it at night or you know you get the silk pillow case and you know, I just I just go through the day just doing my thing, and uh, you know, every three or four weeks I get up with my uh, hairstylist who who retwist me. But yeah, I don't, I don't have like this big routine, you know, especially now that like I don't really have a lot going on. I'm just at home, so you know, obviously when it was like you hitting up award shows and things, you're you're way on it a lot more. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm always been pretty low key with things, so yeah, it's not this big thing. Yeah, that's what I love about locks because people are always like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, honestly, I don't do anything. Like when I had a fro, oh yeah, my you, there was so much work. I don't know how you do it, Mandy. Like with your hair, full, because just the level of product, yeah. and you can't just leave the house when you have a fro. The pick, pick, pat that used to destroy my life. <laughs> Now I'm just like, I literally woke up like this. I was like, oh, this is my sleeping bag. It still looks cute. So here we go. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. We should get paid for our time for the additional hair hair time. Um, <laughs> I wanted funny. to know, Matthew, what are you working on now? What what should people know about you? What do you have coming up next? Is this yes. an annoying question? Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, no, we, uh, so we, we turned uh, Hair 11 to a TV series. So we've been working on it for I'm so excited. almost three years now. So um, it's going to be coming out this fall on uh, HBO Max. Um, the, yes. the new name of it is Young Love, so not Hair Love, because uh, we, we had this really creative way of thinking about it. So the dad, his name is Steven Love, and the mom, her name is uh, Angela Young. So you put it together, Young Love. So um, it's really fun, and uh, it's kind of a show that... One thing, one thing I noticed about animated series were that a lot of times you never really saw from the millennial perspective. So like a lot of times the dads are already, the parents were already established. They're like in their career, they're making money. Like, you know, money was never an issue and their dream was already quote unquote fulfilled, right? For us, we wanted to do this show where it's kind of like you have this young unmarried couple who has a young child, but they still love each other. They're figuring things out. Uh, they live with uh, her grandparent, her, her, they live with her parents, so Zuri's grandparents. <laughs> and they haven't really achieved their career dreams or goals yet. So they're still trying to figure that out. They're still trying to raise, raise this young daughter. And um, it's set on the west side of Chicago. So it's like, uh, you know, very, very black neighborhood and environment. And, you know, obviously there are a lot of challenges that have come with it. Angela's a hairstylist. Um, Steven is a producer. And it's uh, and Zuri is just uh, her same, like, confident, energetic self. And, uh, you know, hilarity uh, ensues. So really excited about it and that'll be coming out this fall so yeah that's kind of the big one who voices zuri Man, we haven't announced everybody yet, uh, but she's this young. Oh, you haven't? No, that's okay. I haven't yeah, heard a lot I, I about know. this yet. I want to know. Yeah, yeah, we 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 haven't uh, announced our we haven't announced our cast yet, but she's this uh, young girl who just kind of represents Zuri in real life too. Will we be hearing any voices who were at that that girlfriend set back in two thousand seven eight? Will there be any familiar voices in the show? You know, a, a couple, that way. a couple, but uh, yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Mandy's trying to, she's trying to turn know, 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 know. I was going to say, you study radio, I study print, baby. We there we go. go. There we go. <laughs> and so this is, so I'm assuming this is an adult show or this is like. It's, a, it's family. It's family. Like, you know, let's say like, um, you know, blackish without the money is like a good cop. <laughs> you know, getting proud family Ooh, vibes with the intergenerational. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very you know, situation. Yeah. Very intergenerational. And um, yeah, you know, I, I can't even say they're middle class. Like they, they don't have a class. They're, they're trying to figure out their financial <laughs> situation <laughs> to even get to a class. So yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Beautiful. And Chicago oh, will be you. a character too. Oh, yeah. You get to see like, oh, yeah. sometimes you don't get to know where that they just live in like, you know, Kidville. Yeah. You don't really get to know the <laughs> Kidville. No, 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 no. Chicago is very much a, a character too. And, you know, kind of like what we wanted to do with, uh, you know, young black representation in animation. Like, you know, Chicago gets a horrible rap in mainstream media and just like wanted to showcase just like that. A, a, a midwestern city where they you kind of are able to actually see the people that live there as opposed to like the headlines and the 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 spicy takes that people try to put out there to prove their own agenda so yeah it's yeah. gonna be fun and you get to bring it home yeah to your home city oh right? yeah chicago oh yeah awesome well, Matthew Cherry, thank you so, so much for sharing a little bit about your story and joining Brown Ambition oh, thank and you. just for personifying Brown Ambition. 
Oh, I appreciate you. And where where can the people find you if they want to follow you and just you know? Yeah, just up? on social. You know, uh, Matthew Matthew A Cherry is kind of my handle on everything. And uh, yeah, I'm around. Just hit me up. And as a big sister to a little brother who is working full time and raising money for films in Atlanta right now, I just mm. want to say he's geeked that I'm getting to talk. Oh, nice! Tell him I say hey. <laughs> I will. Um, no, but I feel like your 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 story is so inspirational to anyone who's like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I can do this thing. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for that. Yeah, I feel like everybody has a story, you know, just got to get it out of you. Awesome. Well, we're happy that you came. BA fam, make sure you follow Matthew A. Cherry on all the socials and make sure you support Young Love because, you know, I just, I just, we just love having Brown and Vision folks on here. Get your HBO Max logins in shape before this fall. Okay. Find out who you can borrow from. No doubt. Yeah, we, we <laughs> will hope to have more information out about it soon, like the release date and trailers and all that. Oh, I can't wait to see the trailers. Okay. Awesome. All right, y'all. All right. Until next week, guys. Thank you, Brown Edition family. I appreciate y'all. Hey, BA fam, we could not do this show without your support or the support of our team behind the scenes. The Brown Ambition podcast is produced by Imani Crosby and Dennis Stemplinski is our in-house tech guru. I am your co-host, Mandy Woodruff-Santos, and we will see y'all next week, BA fam. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.